0: Hello and welcome. It's Friday, the 26th of October, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only twice-weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. It's funny, I keep saying the only twice-weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world, but it occurred to me, I think I'm the only weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world, period. Uh, I can't really find any other podcast that talk about this stuff on a weekly, regular basis. So uh, I'm not saying they're not out there. I'm just saying I don't know of any of them and no one's really brought any to my attention. My point is if you're out there or if any of you listening happen to know of any others, please, by all means, let's connect. It would be great to uh, get to know you. We can perhaps even do an episode together. So let me know. So speaking of which, I actually wanted to share a pretty amazing thing with all of you. I just noticed in the last couple of weeks, and I've verified it's still true, uh, if you Google something like autonomous cars podcasts or autonomous vehicles podcasts, well, it looks like my podcast on iTunes is now usually in the number one spot In the Google, it tends to kind of flip-flop back and forth along with the uh, fantastic, but admittedly not weekly podcast um, on autonomous cars uh, hosted by the good folks over at venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z. Um, But yeah, so this is really fantastic stuff. I mean, I'm genuinely excited to see that this is the case, Uh, but of course, as with all such things, a huge thank you to all of you for making this possible. Anyway, enough about that because we have more important things to discuss today. Like, for example, turns out that people want self-driving cars to prioritize children over the elderly, or the elderly over children. Well, it turns out it depends where you live in the world. GMs' cars apparently have trouble recognizing pedestrians, and Volkswagen's strategy for the future involves lots of electricity and SUVs. All this, right now. But first, it is Friday, and so that means it's Friday, poll day. Now, today I wanted to run a poll. I was kind of thinking what would be a good one to do today, because frankly, I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of neat. You wake up on a Friday. Well, okay, you don't, obviously, but I do, because I'm weird like that, thinking, okay, what shall I do for today's Friday poll day? No, I'm not joking. That really was my first thought this morning. And, well, I didn't know what to do, and then I realized, the whole trolley paradox thing has really kind of popped up again a lot in the news, if not by name, then certainly by content. And when I say content, what I mean is there have been a ton of new surveys, uh, I say surveys, polls, if you like, that have been conducted, really trying to understand what do people expect an autonomous car to do when it's faced with that admittedly academic no-win scenario of, do you kill a pedestrian or do you kill the passengers of the car? So, um... And, and this Friday poll day obviously segues quite neatly into the first segment we're going to discuss in a moment. So let me first kick it off with the actual question. You can, of course, head on over to Twitter at AutonomousHogue to cast your vote. The question is, in light of the numerous trolley paradox surveys lately, I thought I'd run my own highly scientific poll on this topic, too. So here goes. An autonomous car must hit one of the following. Which should it be? A an elderly person, B, a child, C, a non-convicted criminal, or D, nobody. Kill the passengers. Right, now that you've cast your vote, thank you for that. Uh, We'll discuss it on Tuesday, of course. Um, Let's dive in and actually talk about all this, right? So, obviously, it's a thing we have talked about quite a bit in the past. In fact, uh, just a few episodes back with the interview with uh, assistant professor, Dan Pitkowski, Um, you know, this was an issue we discussed with him as well. And really, uh, you know, the conclusion that he and I both agreed on was that although it's a pretty fascinating thing to discuss in the context of, say, a classroom or a research lab, um, that's sort of the problem. It, It really seems to be not just a corner case or a fringe case, as they say, but really it seems to be almost purely academic in nature. I mean, it it's almost impossible to imagine a scenario where any person, let alone an autonomous car, could end up in this effectively no-win scenario. I mean, just talk to Captain Kirk, who doesn't believe in no-win scenarios, right? So, But but that said, um, that's not really the point of me kind of revisiting this topic today. The idea, and the reason I want to discuss this with you, is because, yeah, there have been a lot of surveys recently, a lot of new polls coming out, and the results are, well, really interesting. I'm not going to bore you with the general trend that says, yeah, most people would say no matter what happens, don't ever kill a child. The autonomous car should always, you know, if it has, in fact, no option, it should kill the elderly couple crossing the street. Clearly, they've never watched up because if you did, you could never bring yourself to do that. Well, by that logic, then, it seems that everybody in, say, China, for instance, has watched up because they absolutely disagree with this. They say, absolutely, you should strike an elderly couple before, excuse me, that you should strike a child and kill a child in a pedestrian before you ever run over that cute elderly couple. Um, And this is really interesting, and I think this is why... Well this is why I wanted to discuss it today and indeed why I've chosen this topic for today's Friday poll day it turns out that this question is a very uh culture specific uh thing it's a very the results are very dependent upon your culture and where you were brought up in the world it turns out that in general yeah the more quote unquote western societies do tend to prioritize um children over the elderly, but it turns out that in more, say, eastern countries, for instance, Asia generally, um, I, I know I referenced China, that's the data point that I have here, but presumably this may include other Asian countries as well. I, I don't know. Um, the general trend is to prioritize uh, well, the uh, the elderly over the young. And I guess I'm totally just thinking out loud here. This is probably going hand in hand sort of with the general notion of really loving and respecting and caring for your elders that after all, they are arguably by at least many metrics, the most important members of society. They've been around the longest they demand and require and deserve uh, the most care. So... That's all kind of a mouthful to get to the point, which is kind of what's the right thing to do now. If you haven't cast your vote yet for this for this Friday poll day, um, yeah, I don't want to influence your thinking. So, frankly, now is a good time to stop listening, go cast your vote, then come back because I want to tell you again what my thoughts are on this. Uh, So here we go. Um, I still firmly believe that the autonomous car should be to well run itself into a brick wall if it must off a cliff, off a bridge, and yet potentially kill the passengers inside the car. Because, again, I've said this before, it's worth addressing again now. I just believe in applying the reasonable prudent person standard that we have in law, at least here in the US, which basically asks the question, what would a reasonable person in that scenario do? Now, I realize in light of what I just said that this reasonable, reasonableness standard is, of course, going to depend where in the world you're coming from. Again, reasonableness, you know, what's reasonable in one country is obviously not reasonable in another. I get that. So so that's fine. So presumably then cars should be programmed with what's reasonable in that particular culture. For example, um, actually, yeah, here's a really good example. Um, I, I read a while back that, well, well let, me, let me back up for a second. As you're probably aware, uh, America is one of the few developed countries in the world where there isn't really any sort of strict, Regulation, insofar as um, the lanes you're allowed to drive in on the freeways, right? So, for those of you who've driven around Europe, especially, um, especially in Germany, uh, but really everywhere around Europe, there's a very strict, um, not just culture around uh, lane discipline, as it's called, but really there's a very strict legal uh, regulation of lane discipline. Meaning, you need to always keep to the right, except exclusively. When you wish to pass somebody. Um, Alternatively, if you're already in the leftmost lane, and if somebody should approach you from behind, you must pull over. If you don't pull over, you're at fault. A corollary to this then is that you're also never allowed, and this is rather more heavily enforced in some countries than others, um, you're not allowed to pass on the right, ever, in fact, and now here's the point I'm getting at, I know that Mercedes, with their um, uh, semi-autonomous car systems that are present in, say, the current E-Class and S-Class, um, those cars, when using the semi-autonomous mode, which is essentially a glorified lane-keep assist and active radar-based cruise control, those cars will not pass a car on that car's right. So, for instance, if you're driving along and if the car to your left tends to be going slower than you, um, well, your car, the Mercedes in this case, will actually slow down so as to ensure not to pass that other car on its right. Uh, It'll only pass cars on the left, which is the regulation. So, I guess what I'm getting at here is, again, this really comes down to convention because obviously here in the States, well... Those same vehicles, semi-autonomous driving systems, do not have that restriction. They will, in fact, comfortably pass a car on the right here in the US, no problem. Never mind that some states claim to have this restriction in place. They're just not enforced. I guess some states are starting to do so. No, thank you to those states for doing that. Please start enforcing this in California. Um, but yeah, so so this is kind of a round way a long way around to get to my point, which is I, I just don't understand why we can't accept. The notion of reasonableness when it comes to autonomous cars. They should be programmed whatever the re- is the reasonable way in which humans would do things in their own country. So, here in the US, I think the general trend is that a driver will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes not to hit a pedestrian. I don't think we even go through the brain power of, shall I harm the child or the elderly couple or myself in the car? I will do whatever it takes not to hit that pedestrian. I don't care who or what they are. I realize that the hypothetical goes one step further saying you can hit either the child or the elderly couple. But I would again say, no, I wouldn't. I would just run my car off the road or into a cliff or well into a wall or off a cliff. And I think most folks would probably have that same instinct, that same reflex. Because again, the reasonableness standard doesn't ask the question, hmm, what are you going to think about in this moment of emergency? It's not about sort of upper level or or higher level conscious thought and decision-making that we're talking about here. It's really kind of low-level instinctive behavior. This is not stuff that you think about consciously. It's what your instinct causes you to do. That's the reasonableness standard we're looking for here. Now, whether that instinct, whether that reasonable behavior is triggered through society, genetics, or otherwise, that's not the issue. The issue is what is that reasonableness standard in which we're looking to answer, the in, in the country in which we're looking to answer the question. So that's, I think, how to go about this. But um, anyway, I've gone on about this long enough. We've got a couple other interesting things to discuss. But yeah, please do cast your vote. I think the timing is really good for this. Again, this question has been going on around a lot lately. So um, <clears throat> do cast your vote, I'll check back with you on Tuesday. We'll discuss the results. Again, that's twitter.com slash autonomous hogue. A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. I just love episodes like today's, where each segment sort of segues neatly into the following one. So, for instance, what I want to talk to you about now is GM, and specifically its subsidiary Cruise Automation. Of course, we've talked about Cruise quite a lot on this show, and with good reason, because they are really kind of up in the lead in terms of the automotive arms race, as it were. Um, I've often said that I think they may, may be amongst the very first to get fully autonomous meaning fully level 5 autonomous, no steering wheel, no pedals, uh, vehicles on the street for consumer use. That said, it would be not for private ownership, but rather for car sharing, autonomous car sharing, that is. But anyway, it turns out, exactly following from our previous segment's discussion, um, well, they've got a bit of a issue. You could say they've hit a bit of a roadblock, um, because, well, it turns out that their otherwise pretty fantastic Chevy Bolt uh, test vehicles, well, turns out they've got a bit of a trouble detecting and therefore reacting to, well, this is kind of embarrassing, pedestrians. Yeah, you'd think that if you were working on an autonomous car, that would sort of be the first thing that you really prioritize getting right. I'm not really being fair here. It's a really tricky thing, and we know it's tricky because, well, it turns out this is exactly what went wrong in Arizona earlier in the year. When the Uber test vehicle, it was a Volvo XC90, if you remember, when it struck and killed a pedestrian, uh, I think it was in Tempe, Arizona, in the middle of the night, pedestrian crossing uh, a large Arizonian sized boulevard at night outside of a crosswalk. There were no streetlights. Regardless, the radar and LIDAR equipped uh, Uber Volvo uh, didn't see the pedestrian, or rather, I should say, did see her, but elected not to stop. Um, If ever there was a tragically tongue-in-case point on hand about what we just discussed in the previous segment, what do you do? Hit the pedestrian or injure the occupant of the vehicle? This is surely it because, well, as you know the story, probably tragically the Uber did strike and indeed kill the pedestrian. The issue, it turns out, was something really rather delicate to solve. It turns out that well, at least when dealing with, say, LIDAR anyway, it's not that the vehicles are not capable of seeing pedestrians, and I'm sort of making some assumptions here based on what I've read. I'm assuming this is kind of the issue going on with the cruise automation vehicles, the the Chevy Bolts as well. It turns out the issue is not that the LIDAR isn't detecting the pedestrians, because frankly, that's relatively trivial. The laser, laser lights beam out radially out from the car. They then reflect back and produce the 3D point cloud of the world around. But the question becomes, suppose you, th- you see a thing in front of the car, right? Or I say you, suppose the car, the, the LiDAR bounces back, that there is indeed some thing in front of the car, the computer then processes this thing, how is it to know whether this is something solid-ish, like a human, or whether it's something, well, floppy, ish and or soft, like say a large plastic bag floating in the wind. So this is compounded further by the problem of um you know, well, uncertainty, right? So if the car takes a sort of I'm going to exaggerate here to make a point, if there isn't some sort of binary distinction as between say, you know, this is solid Ish, And you probably shouldn't hit it because it's probably a human or an animal, um, as opposed to whether this is something floppy and soft and you can go through it no problem, like a large paper bag. If there isn't a binary distinction made as between those two upper and lower bound scenarios, then you risk ending up in a situation of kind of intermittent uncertainty. This then will result in a lot of kind of on-again, off-again braking and accelerating, braking and accelerating. And that's not suitable either, because for those of you who tend to get car sick when you're not driving, well, you know exactly what I'm on about. So this is a really important thing to get right. And oh, yeah, because you want to make sure that you react to pedestrians. Driving over pedestrians is not an optimal solution for all this. So yeah, it's a really big deal to get right. And again, it does, um, you know, it, it kind of dovetails neatly with the previous discussion on whom to hit when and why and how but let's start with this threshold question of just don't hit any pedestrian at all but yeah this is a really really difficult thing i'm obviously you know um you know just trying to drive home the point that that you you can't i mean obviously i mean to gm and Cruise Automation's credit. Obviously, they're not going to go forward either. In fact, their their goal was to roll these things out by late 2019. These fully autonomous vehicles, but obviously, they've admitted, look, if we can't get this right, we're we're not going to do it. Now, obviously, there's a lot of money on on the table here, right? So GM acquired them for something like two billion dollars a couple years ago. Uh, Honda then dumped nearly three billion on top of that. Uh, also, Japanese investment bank SoftBank threw a further two and a quarter billion into cruise automation. So they've, they've got a lot of cash. Um, I am really quite confident they're going to get this sorted out. I mean, somebody has to, uh, the team behind them is great. CEO, Kyle Voigt. I'm guessing it's pronounced Voigt. Uh, V-O-G-T. Please correct me, Kyle. Uh, if you feel like chatting on this show, by the way, it would be great to get you on here. Um, but yeah, everyone's got to get this thing sorted out because obviously very important. Um, Also, it's because of cruise automation and GM's investment in them that I really firmly believe, as I've said numerous times on this show and elsewhere besides, that I really think that GM are going to kind of certainly be amongst the leaders in the autonomous car race, if not potentially even taking the lead, at least insofar as shared autonomous vehicles. Um, Yes, obviously, Tesla are going to do the same thing. They're eventually going to enable their fully autonomous Teslas to do car sharing as well. So, so yeah, I think we're going to see a real photo finish as between Tesla and GM and then potentially if Uber and Lyft get their act together, I think they'll be up there as well. So really exciting all this, obviously I'll bring you more as I get it. Hey, before diving into the third and final segment for today, I want to address something. This is not a promotional matter, so please do have a, have a proper listen, um, It's been brought to my attention that there are folks around the world who are really pushing to ban the deployment of next generation cellular technology known as 5G. This isn't just stupid. It's absolutely uh, negligent, actually. Here's why. To make the argument that 5G should be banned because, I don't know, it causes cancer and three sets of eyeballs to form on your head isn't just rooted in fake, bogus, misinformed science and understanding. It's, It's just plain wrong. Uh, it's just untrue. It's patently untrue insofar as it's untrue that vaccines cause autism or that the earth is flat or that, that evolution isn't a thing or or, or that man-made climate change isn't a thing. Um, and, and here's the problem. See, 5G isn't just about promising faster and faster download speeds so that you can, I don't know, download more 4K HDR videos on your Netflix account so you can binge watch away to your heart's content over the weekend. No the real promise, the real need, the value of 5G isn't the download speeds being faster. It's the promise of near zero latency, meaning the, 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 the delay between which stuff happens through that connection. So to use an analogy, uh, video gamers are pretty well familiar with the constant latency. Now, usually latency over an internet connection tends to be in the, you know, 10, 20, 30, maybe 50 millisecond range. Now, ordinarily, this doesn't amount to much more than a bit of an annoyance. You know, you try to move your character in a game, you try to fire a weapon, and it kind of occurs a split second after you command the order, uh, which may cost you a life. Big deal. That's a video game life. Now we're talking about real lives because, you see, um, we're losing 3,000 real lives every single month to human-driven stupidity in cars every single month. That's around 40,000 per year. Worldwide, we're losing around a million people per year It's one person every 25 seconds dying in an automobile accident because we humans are too stupid or too inept to handle a two-ton moving vehicle traveling down at 60 miles per hour or 100 kilometers an hour down the freeway. So if folks want to go around claiming, hey, don't put 5G in my backyard because it may cause cancer or three sets of eyeballs to form on my head, well, that's just stupid at best and, as I say, criminally negligent at worst because... We know for a fact, actual hard numbers, that human-driven cars are actually causing 3,000 people to die per month in the US alone, or 1 million per year worldwide. Now, you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with 5G? Well, to the whole point about the promise of near zero latency, well, it turns out that autonomous cars, and specifically autonomous connected cars, for example, think vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to infrastructure, they absolutely rely, they will rely on a zero- latency network, which is what 5G is going to enable. Other use cases are things like the da Vinci robotic surgical apparatus, which enables doctors to perform surgeries, very delicate surgeries from thousands of miles away, remotely using a robot, which requires effectively, you guessed it, zero latency. You can't have delays. You can't have latency when you're doing this kind of delicate stuff, folks. You just It doesn't work that way. So if you want to argue Against 5G because, I don't know, you think the towers are going to look ugly. Well, actually, that's not the case either because these are actually going to be far smaller than current 3 and 4G towers. If you want to argue against 5G because it's not safe, that because it is in fact inherently dangerous, well, that's just plain wrong. Alternatively, even if there were any marginal risk associated with 5G, it's minimal compared to the actual risk that we know about. With human-driven automobiles. I'm just going to stop there and leave it at that. Don't be foolish. If you know folks who are out there arguing against 5G, I'm willing to bet they're also out there arguing against vaccinations and against, I don't know, evolution or the fact that perhaps, say, the earth is flat or that gluten kills you, unless you have celiac disease, in which case, yeah, avoid gluten. I mean... It, we, we owe it to ourselves and to our neighbors to educate ourselves. Alternatively, you know, failing that education, um, it's our responsibility to kind of recuse ourselves from voting for things about which we don't know anything. Don't vote for things that you don't know about. It's irresponsibly, criminally negligent of you to do so. All right, that's all I've got to say about 5G for now. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to leave me a five-star written review over at Apple Podcasts. Uh, also, don't forget our beautiful, shiny, new-ish website, markhoag.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-O-A-G. It's full of episode summaries and notes. And of course, best of all, you can comment away to your heart's content and debate anything and everything you like, as long as you keep it civil with your fellow listeners. So head on over. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, obviously, we've gone way over today's episode. So, this third and final segment, gonna have to cut it pretty short, uh, which is all right, because there's not too much to talk about here other than, well, Volkswagen's overarching strategy going forward. It looks like, well, As I frankly anticipated, predicted uh, way back when Dieselgate first blew up in everyone's face, I actually wrote a really lengthy article on this. You can find it on Quora. The question was something like, what is Dieselgate all about? Or how does the Volkswagen diesel scandal work? Or something like that. I think I have the highest upvoted answer on there. You can give it a read. But as I anticipated back then, um, Volkswagen have indeed made the effort to do a real about face. And they've come a full 180 degrees to change their strategy, moving away from diesel, moving entirely towards uh, electrical vehicles. Um, And of course, along with the EV push, they're of course doing an AV push, autonomous vehicle push. So that alone is not so surprising. What's interesting, though, is the strategy they've announced insofar as how they're going to get there. Well, apparently, something like half their vehicle sales by just 2025, mind you, that's just six years away. Um, by 2025, more than half their sales will be SUVs. SUVs, of course, as you probably know, no surprise to anybody. Well, they're really the most popular sort of vehicle pretty much worldwide. I know a lot of you listening are going to say, no, Mark, that's only in the US. In Europe, where we are rather more evolved about such things, we care more about hatchbacks and wagons. Look, I agree with you, but there's the detail here that needs to be addressed. Uh, Most so-called SUVs in the States aren't really SUVs. Let's face it. They're basically just slightly jacked up hatchbacks and wagons, or if you like, they're hatchbacks and wagons on stilts, slightly raised, slightly elevated, but they are effectively just slightly inflated, slightly fatter hatchbacks and wagons. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that worldwide, whatever you want to call it, an SUV, a hatchback or a wagon the fact is, that form factor, meaning the form factor of a vehicle which isn't three boxes, right? A, a hood or, or a bonnet, uh, a cabin, and then a rear trunk. You know, this new form factor that's, that is basically that, that sort of swoopy kind of SUV, hatchback, wagon form factor, that is in fact the most popular form factor around the world, whether you call it a hatchback, a wagon, or an SUV, or a crossover, whatever else you want to call it. And so because of that, then it's no surprise half of VW sales will in fact come from those types of vehicles. Ford, in fact, as you probably heard, has announced that they're going to effectively ditch all traditional sedan or saloon style vehicles, uh, with the exception of, I believe, just the Ford Mustang, because obviously that would be a crime to get rid of the Mustang. But um, so, so the point is, that's where a lot of their revenues are going to come from, unsurprisingly. And to that end, well, Volkswagen's CEO is now saying that by 2020 hold on to something. By 2020, Volkswagen's electric vehicles are going to be as good as Tesla's and for half the price. And that's a pretty bold claim because first of all, well, I guess it's bold or it's somewhat empty, right? Because if they mean half the price of, say, a fully loaded Model S or Model X, which cash in at around, what, $130,000, $140,000 US dollars, um, half the price by 2020 is still, what, 60000 $70,000. That's Not such a big deal, but if they're claiming as good as Tesla's EVs for half the price of, say, an entry-level Model 3, really, half the price of a $35,000 car, that's pretty intriguing. That's a pretty compelling thing. That said, you know what I'm going to say. Bring it on. That's fantastic. I know Elon Musk would say the same thing. We need more of these things. My only concern, and I say this with affection for Volkswagen, and I really hope that this works. I think and I've said this before elsewhere that that it's not sufficient merely to have a good EV fleet. You need to simultaneously make sure to build out a charging network like Tesla's uh, supercharger and you got to make sure that these cars roll out in parallel with really good autonomous or at least semi-autonomous car tech because you kind of need these all bundled in together. So, if indeed Volkswagen can do this and by all means, all power to them. That'll be fantastic. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening. Sorry this episode went a bit longer than usual. As an aside, does that bother you or do you rather enjoy that? Um, I know usually the episodes tend to be 15, 20 minutes in length. I think this one's gone on for pushing 30 minutes now. Um, But yeah, let me know. I'm just kind of curious. This, of course, due in no small part to my mini rant on 5G. Sorry, couldn't resist. And just a warning, you will hear more of those in the future, I'm sure. But in any event, without further ado, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you back here on Tuesday. Bye-bye.